only to the name of Jesus. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, let's praise him. Can you all hear me good? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, welcome to Metro Praise. You can all be seated if you like. Welcome to Metro Praise. Uh, you know, like I said, we, before we got to worship, we, you know, we, we, we love Wicked Park. We got Metro Praise. We love Wicked Park. That's why we're here. It's one of the reasons why we're here. And um, we're here to, to reach out to this neighborhood, to this community. Every community needs Jesus. And... Um, I just want to, to get into this real quick, hopefully, in Jesus' name, it will work. <laughs> uh, first of all, I just want to apologize for the, uh, uh, I guess, the, the ghetto-ness that, that's going on here. We, uh, our guitar cord's not working, uh, the, the connection to the computer for the music is not working, so we just apologize. We usually do things with excellence, but as, as far as technology goes, we can only go so far and do so much. But. Uh, you guys would like to come in and take a seat? Great. Yeah, come on in. All right. Well, we have Metro Praise. We have a vision. Okay, it's it's loving God, and loving people. Can you guys say loving God? Loving God. And loving people. Loving people. Okay. Uh, this is the vision that uh, that is, is very simple. Very simple to love God, to love people. It's it's one of the simplest things that I've come by as far as a, a vision. I remember when I was in high school. Uh, we would come by this, this one uh, entranceway to the school, and on the wall was this long vision. And he, I, I sat there reading it for like like 10 seconds. It's just way too long. And loving God, loving people is uh, the two greatest commandments that, that Jesus said. He says uh, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So this is a vision of natural praise. I believe in it wholeheartedly, and I hope that it, it, um, it confirms in your heart as well. Now, uh, now, how we fulfill this vision is through a strategy. If you want to say connect. connect. It's connecting people to Jesus, okay? We do it through evangelism. We do it through discipleship. And then it's also connecting people to a church. So when you go out there and preach the gospel, we don't just say, hey, you know, now you're on your own. You know, learn everything on your own. Because there's a lot to learn. You know, and we, so we plug them into a church. We plug them into discipleship. So they know the way to go. So they can learn the Christian walk. The next thing is, is, is mentor. Everyone say mentor. Mentor. Okay, it goes along with what I was saying for Connect. To mentor, get them into discipleship. And this is the, the 101 book. It's seven steps to, to spiritual growth. Basic steps. It's not the Bible, but it's principles that are found in the Bible. And we relate that to our lives. And then there's the, the 201 class. Okay, this is uh, 12 lessons in Christian leadership. It's, it's part of the sending out. And I let me tell you, uh, it's... I've been in Metro Praise for three years, and it was only the past maybe year have I really been sent out to make disciples. Not that you can't you can't do anything while you're while you're in the classes and learning, but it's it's just to to form the foundation of our Christian walk, and it's it's great. And then, you know, I hope you guys can uh, I hope that it confirms in your hearts tonight, and that uh, and that Jesus just speaks to you on it. Okay and. And also, another thing we do throughout the week is we don't we don't just do this to for the, for the sake of fellowship. And that's in, in the one on one book. It's, it's one of the things, uh, the, the three things in lesson one: prayer, reading your Bible, the study of the Bible, and Christian fellowship. So to get everyone plugged in, because I know in a setting like this, it's kind of hard to to relate to one another unless we talk individually, and we, we do make time for that. 
But for, for fellowship's sake and for more Bible study, I think you guys will really enjoy it. If you haven't come through yet, I, I invite you for this Sunday at 5 p.m., every Sunday at 5 p.m., come through to uh, join a small group that's, that's at my place and, um, and me and my wife do it. And we just have fun. How many have fun on, uh, on, on Sunday? I know Lewis was there. Lewis was there. Yeah, we had two other faces that aren't here today, but it was fun. Did you have fun, Lewis? Yeah. yeah he, he dressed up as a monk. I was, uh, I was emo. Um, I had uh, mascara on. It was the first time I, I wore makeup. Um, what? Yeah, I That's the put on me. So um, it, it actually stayed on me even after I took a shower. So the next day, some people were laughing at me. I was yeah. Like, yeah. But, uh, you know, through this series, it's such an interesting series. I encourage you guys to come back next week for to figure out the mystery of where are my keys. Okay, but today we're going to go over um, where where do I go when I die. So if you want to know where do you go, I mean, some of you might already know, but some of you might be on the fence and not sure. And so I think it's going to be a great message to to, to go over. Okay, now we're gonna we're gonna uh, collect our tithes and offerings. And one of the things, one of the reasons why why we do this is to support the church. You know, with, with the support that you guys get, we're able to hold services here, we're, we're able to be evangelized in the community, have a place for, for the community. You know, the church means the called out ones. And so when we go out there evangelizing, we believe God has a plan for everyone's lives. And so when we evangelize, we, we, we get people together, we get people to, to one place, just like this, a church. You know, how did you guys hear about us? You guys heard about us through evangelism, through flyering, uh, and you came back. And so, but we, we believe that God has a call on every one of your lives. God has a plan for your lives to bring you. And, and, it's, and through the Bible, we see it. We, we see it through the, the work of the church, the early church. And so I just encourage you guys to, to you know, if you're a believer, to pray right now, to ask God, what, what can I get? What can I get today to help support this church? Now we believe that you know, the, every believer should tithe, and, ten, and the tithe is ten percent of your total income. So if you have a job, just and whatever your whatever your pay is, just, you know, move the move the decimal over, you know, for ten percent to the tenth place, and you you figure out your tithe. Ten percent, give ten percent, and that's what we believe. And then whatever you give after that is the offering. So whoever God puts in your heart to give after your tithe. You know, give it for the support of the church. We believe a church should be self-supporting, self-promoting, and um, self-proclaiming. Self you know, we, we go out there, we fly, we say, hey, hey, we are Metro Praise. And the way we get these flyers, how you guys receive the flyer, was, was through your finances. And all, the, all those finances came from the other Wicker Park campus, so they sowed the seed into this ministry. And so I, I just pray that, that God will put on your heart also to give.
Sita there who's collecting the, the, the offerings as an offering, she had went to India. Now, you know, she wasn't completely sent out. You know, she went with Pastor Joe, his wife, and, and someone else. And she had an opportunity to go, even though she wasn't sent out. So I believe that's just, that's the point in, um, in, in seeing things around the world. When you see things around the world, you can see how other people live. And uh, it definitely hits home in my heart. God loves the world. Amen? Amen. So um, as we get to this discussion, I just want to start off and say that, um, you know, it's, it's one of the questions that, that, that we all want to know. It's one of the mysterious things that, um, that we all would like to know. And uh, so when we think of what happens after we die, which is the, you know, the series, the, the lesson or the sermon for today, you know, when, when, when someone dies, we always think, you know, when we, we see movies like Paranormal Activity, you know, do, do people die and do they become ghosts? Are they just like on this, on this earth, going from house to house, haunting the people that, that treated them badly during their lives? Or is that a demon? You know, some Christians believe, you know, that it's a demon, you know? And uh, I'm going to ask Josh to come over here for the uh, discussion time. Just, just wait right here. So, but we, we as Christians, even though, you know, even though hell is such a hot topic, you know, and I say, <laughs> even though hell is such a hot topic, and it's, it's a highly debated topic, even among Christians, there's a guy, Rob Bell, who doesn't believe in hell. He just believes in heaven. That's not a topic in itself. So what do you guys believe? When, when we talk about hell, I mean, even as Christians, like I said, even as Christians, we don't want to believe in hell because it, because it is such a hot topic. It's, it's, it has something to do with, with life after death, and then not just that, but suffering after we die. We, we, we suffer so much here on earth with things, but then after we die, we'll go to hell and suffer some more. So what do you guys believe? Do you guys believe that hell is fair? Do you believe hell is fair? Okay, but like, okay. 
I get it. Anything else? Well, I believe that hell is fair because um, God, we all have free will. Every single one of us have the right to make our own choices. And um, what's more than fair, I believe, is um, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us, for our sins, to enable us to accept um, uh, going to heaven. And so I believe that heaven is fair because God puts it on the table, point blank. He doesn't like play games or anything. He says, you know, you can either come to heaven, you know, have a relationship with me, he, you know, through the blood of Jesus Christ, or you can deny me. And he makes it plain. He states it so plainly in the Bible. And so I believe that when, you know, I mean, it's sad. You know, I believe that when people go to hell, that it's their own choice, you know. And so I, I think that more so that the church needs to do, you know, more. Obviously, all of us are doing our part, you know, that's that pe so people don't have to go there and to preach the truth. But ultimately, it's the person's own choice. So they're allowed to make a decision, and it's fair because they have two options um, placed before them. So I believe that hell is fair. Amen. Uh, I can agree with the uh, yeah. Many people say, well, I've been in this earth for like 77 years, and I go, I die, I go to hell. You know, they would say, well, you know, that's, that's really unfair. I mean, you know, because, well, to be honest with you, in the light of a heavenly, holy God, I think, I believe that a sinner is incompatible for heaven. So, I say, that's a compatibility issue that, um, that uh, you know, when people die, you know, it's they're incompatible for heaven. Okay, so the sinner, you say that the sinner is not... The sinner, you're right, the sinner is incompatible. The sinner, so it's like pretty much like you said, what, what Diana was saying, that, right. that, that we, we send ourselves there. Right. We send ourselves to hell because we don't choose the Holy God. Exactly. Okay, okay uh, Rudy wants to add to the discussion, so Josh, bring it up to him. And guys, don't be afraid to add to the discussion, whatever you believe, okay? Open up. Uh, I think hell is fair, but not the suffering part. So, um, so not the suffering part, but hell. What, what's your idea of hell? No, I, I know that's what it is, but I just, you know, the, the question is, is it fair? Yeah, it's fair, but not the suffering part. You know? Okay, so it's not the yeah, suffering part. Yeah, I know it is. That's the suffering part's not fair, sorry. <laughs> so, so you wouldn't want people to go to hell because of the suffering? I just, it's just the suffering. I don't want to picture anybody suffering. Yeah. I, mean, I, I believe that hell is fair, but not like to suffer. I don't know what. what? Okay, so, <laughs> all right. All right. In, in the light of a just God, and in, in the light of uh, what hell is, what would your idea of hell be? Say, say if you were God and um, you didn't want people to suffer, what would your idea of hell be in order for the punishment? Maybe everything except for the flame. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no light, darkness, just okay. abandonment, no flames. So just you know, the, the, the aspect of um, yeah. there not being God's presence there. The separation from God. Yes. That's it. No suffering, no flames, no gnashing and weeping. That's just my opinion. I 
Okay. All right, Jennifer? I was just going to say that, like, just add that, well, Jesus had to suffer, too, so we wouldn't have to. And, like, you don't want to see someone suffer, but he took it upon him. You know, so. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Back to my house. Oh, I think, oh my God, I think you're going to get a taste of honey, or that's my expression for hell. You'll get a taste, but I think in the end, he's going to wipe it all out. All the evil, people, including hell, the devil, and sorrow. I think you're going to suffer, so it's not meant for eternity. He is a loving God, but to a certain point, you're going to get a taste of honey. Okay, so you believe that we'll suffer for a time? We'll suffer, yeah, there'll be hell, but then he's a loving, caring God. He didn't want to see someone, I guess, not for eternity. But he'll give a, you know, give a taste of honey and wipe out. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's up. I don't usually uh, participate in the question time because I'm usually doing other things. Uh, but the question, do you believe hell is fair? Um, I mean, at first, I think you have like one has to understand that hell was not created for for humans originally. Hell was created for the angels that were disobedient to God, including the devil, Lucifer. It was originally created for the punishment of, of the angels that turned their back on God to because Lucifer wanted worship. He wanted the, the place of God in heaven. And because he you know caused angels, one third of heaven's angels to rebel, they were sent, you know, to hell and and you know that I mean that's what it's originally for. Now I mean, now Lucifer is walking on the earth, but that's another subject. I mean, you could go in a different direction with that. What I want to say about the fairness is God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. I mean, the Bible says that he desires not to perish. It says that he gives opportunities. You know, I mean, you have a whole life to turn to God and to believe in him. Hell is not fair if you don't realize that God is real. You know, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how would I explain this? It's like, if, if God was not real, then hell isn't fair. But since God is real, and because he gives everyone an opportunity in their lifetime to know him, then it, I believe it is fair. And I mean, when it comes to the suffering, let me ask you a question. I mean, you look, you look at the murderer, right? He kills your, your two-year-old daughter. Okay, imagine you have a two-year-old daughter, and he, this murderer kills your child. Now, in our American system, justice is that, you know, they, they go to court, um, they're proven guilty, and then they're sent to, to jail, and if it's homicide, they're, you know, they're given the death penalty, right? And so, technically, if the judge, I, and I don't want to steal your thunder, I hope, like, you're not going to use an example like this, but, like, I mean, a, a just judge would not let that murderer go. You know, a just judge would not let that murder go on without any justice, you know? And, um, and and so the thing about sin is that we try and give weights to sin. Well, like, I'm not a murderer. I, I'm not a rapist. Well, good job. But sin is disobedience to God. So if you deny God, that's the number one sin. You know, if you deny Christ, I mean, that's, that's the first sin. Like, I mean, it doesn't have a level necessarily, but if you can't get past that, then, I mean, all the other sins, like, I mean, they, they're they all equal, the Bible says. So if you break one commandment, you've broken it all. And, um, 
And so God would be an unjust God if he did not punish evil and sin. And um, he would not be a just God. I'll just leave it like that if he didn't punish um, sin. Like a judge, a good judge would punish a murderer. That's all i got to say. So I believe hell is fair in the sense that God gives everyone an opportunity. And, um, and yeah. Amen. Anyone else want to have the last word? Uh, let's get Jerry. Let's get Jerry, because Miles. I do believe that hell is fair, um, just based on the same things that everyone else has pretty much said. Um, because God is a good judge and He is holy. What I don't believe would be fair is if He took. He's given us all a choice to serve him or to not serve him, to know him or to not know him. But I don't think it would be fair if he took us all to heaven if we've chosen to not know him here on earth. So to like force us into his presence wouldn't be right if we've chosen not to be with him here and now. And in that case, I believe that hell is fair because we have a choice. Okay. Um, so you pretty much were saying that because of our choices, that our free will that God has given us, so choose him or reject him, because we, because he's not going to force us into his presence, like, like you know, like trying to force a child to uh, to eat or to not eat something that that's healthy for them. You know, when it really is when it really is healthy. So, yeah, but I believe uh, that God is fair because he does give us a chance to accept Christ into our life, to be forgiven of our sins, and to live in his presence. So, what other chance do you need? It's going to be fair and just. If you don't accept Christ, then you know where you're going to go and don't cry about it. That's how I look at it. Okay, so, so my mercy, yeah. Thank you guys for it. Amen, I think that was a good discussion. Um, got, got many sides. But is there anyone else here that, that kind of, um, you know, besides Rudy, that, that kind of agrees with Rudy? Rudy had mentioned that you know, he believes that hell is fair, but the suffering part. Does anyone else agree with that? Like, should there be suffering? To a certain point, yes. To, to a certain point. Not for eternity, because he is a loving God. But you gotta, you gotta, like I said, you gotta taste the honey in you. Yeah. Okay. Alright. <laughs> it would be fair for a decent people. But we know. It would be fair for the decent people. The God's a fair God. Yeah, I believe this is 
this uh, discussion go on for, for ages, and, and it has. Oh, yeah, and it has. We can mm. see it through, through history. Um, and if you guys, guys want to talk about it um, afterwards, we definitely can. Uh, but uh, what I want to talk to you guys today about is where do I go when I die? You know, there's, we had the discussion of, of heaven and hell. And I believe by the end of this, according to the Bible, that we'll, we'll all be able to see exactly what happens, whether you know you agree with the, the Bible or not. Let's go to Luke 16, 19, if you have your Bibles, and get it out. Luke 16, 19. Uh, so, to give you guys a review of the previous weeks, the first week, we talked about why am I here? We, we talked about the, uh, uh, or, or who am I, I'm sorry. We, we talked about who am I. We talked about we are, we are the creation of God. We are made in God's image. Okay, so, and, but also in, in light of that is what is our purpose? It, it brings a question, okay, if we're created by God, what is our purpose? And that was the second week. Now, now the, the evolutionist would say that uh, on, on who we are is, you know, that, you know, we came from some, you know, primordial soup, so to speak. Everything boiling together, all the elements of the earth boiling together, and you know somehow light came. Now, um, now in that, what, what would be the purpose? You know, we became, you know, the, a, a a lizard or something, or something small. I'm not sure how the, the the line goes, but eventually we became we you know the we were ancestors of, of apes and, and gorillas or whatnot, and into human beings. So the evolutionists would say, okay. You know, who are we? We are the, the product of, of evolution, so to speak, in other words. So, but, and, and in that discussion of, in that, in that sermon, who am I? We gave the an argument for creation, for creation. The evolutionists, you know, believe we, we, just, we just evolved from something. Now, the argument for creation that, that we gave was the, the cosmological argument, argument from cause. I believe I had this. Right here, so proof from cause, cosmological argument, everything in the natural world needs a cause. So the philosophical argument would be everything that begins to exist has a cause. Okay, so we believe that everything in the natural world has a cause. It, it, it was caused by something. Okay, so we don't just believe we, we it, you know, it came from nothing, so to speak. And the second point we gave was the proof of design, a teleological argument. And we give the example of Mount Rushmore, okay? You know, we don't just pass by Mount Rushmore and say, you know, oh, you know, look at that mountain. It has no resemblance to any other mountain. And it's, it's, you, it's not unique, you know? We see that it, has, it had a designer. It was a, a sculptor that made it. We don't just say that it just came from nothing, okay? And the third point is proof for morals, okay? A moral argument. There exists good and evil, okay? And why is there good and evil? And in... When we, when we think of, of evolution, and, and we take the example of a dog, okay? A dog and many other animals are moved by instinct. Okay, they move by instinct. They have pretty much no, no perception, no conception of good and evil. You know, a dog can walk up to you, bite you in the hand, and not say sorry for it. You know, um, which that can also be a, another discussion on, you know, saying, whether saying sorry, you know, is, is saying sorry good or or does it matter, you know? 
And so, um, then, then the second week, for the second sermon is, um, is why am I here? Giving purpose, you know? And we, we, you know, us being created by God. And I, I believe one, I believe a good question is, why are we here? You know, and you know whether we believe in God or not, why are we here? But because we believe in God, the good question, a good question to ask ourselves is why we are here. You know, and in light of the Bible, in light of of us being created by God, what is our purpose? You know, a lot of us would say, okay, you know, the greatest thing in life is to take care of your family. Okay, and um, our number one thing is, is family. Okay, and I remember last week, whoever you were here, uh, whoever was here last week. You gave the example of uh, uh, during during a time of discussion of how many of your past generations, how many names of your ancestors can you name? You know, a lot of us can only go back. I can only go back to um, my one of my great grandparents, just one, because she just passed away a few years ago, and she's the the oldest ancestor of mine that I that I know. And but the fact is that none of us can really go back that far, you know, to go back to our great-great-grandparents, which would be 16 names to, to know, to memorize. Uh, I think it was, uh, was Christina. Uh, how many names did you, uh, you know? Well, we have a family tree, so it's not like fair, but. <laughs> but how many can you? Can I name it like maybe six? <laughs> you see, so like, yeah, how maybe. Are, if family's our number one thing, how many names can we remember? How many, is it really that important? And we, we see that, you know, if we can't even memorize or, or know anything about our ancestors, uh, how, how important were they? You know, did they do some great, some great thing that, that we, we know of that, that is recorded in history? Now, you know, people who know their, their ancestors, if your ancestor was, was Hitler or something, you probably know him. Or if your ancestor was Abraham Lincoln, you would you would know him because he, you know, he's recorded in history. But the fact is that all of us we do not know our ancestors. A lot, of them. a lot of us may not know. A lot of us do not know. But um, so that that just goes that just goes to say that that um, it's, it's really not important, and we should be putting our focus on, on something else. Now. But today we're going to go over, um, um, the fact that I want to say something on, uh, on, on, our, on our purpose. Okay, our purpose here is to, to love God, like, I, like our vision that shall praise. That's, that's our vision. We, we long to see that fulfilled by God as a, as a community of people, to love God, to love people. We, um, I'm sorry, I just, my mind just went blank there. But that is our purpose. Our purpose to fulfill is to, to know God. We are here to know God and love God. Mark 12, 28, let me just read it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the first two commands. Two, you are here to love people. Mark 12, 30 to 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself, no commandment greater than these. Okay, so that is our purpose here, and you know, we don't believe that we don't have any purpose at all. So, for me, that gives me security, knowing that I, I know what I'm, what I'm here to do, 
and know what's going to happen afterwards as we as we get into it. But let's go over to what others say about death. Okay, the naturalist. Okay, it, it could include uh, an evolutionist. When you're dead, you're dead. There's no existence after death. Now, um, you know, and the naturalist would say that there's, you know, unless it can be proven by science, whether we can see it, touch it, hear it, taste it, then it's, it's not real. We need the empirical evidence, something that, that can be observable with our senses. Now, let me get into the five things that, that I've come across that I believe science cannot prove, okay? Logical and mathematical truths because science presupposes these truths. And so using them you know, in science, uh, which they are used in science, but using it for an argument against it, uh, against uh, creation, all these things, will be arguing in a circle because it, it presupposes them. Now, the second thing is metaphysical truths. Are there, um, are there other minds than my own? Is the external realm, the external world, real? You know, yes, we can, uh, we can touch it, you know, and, and see it, but it cannot be by scientific methods. It cannot be proven. Three ethical beliefs, which are pretty much like moral principles. We all have them. We, we share all basic moral principles, but it cannot be proven by science. Four aesthetic judgments. Well, I believe my wife is the prettiest woman in the world. You know, as opposed to another, because uh, it. It's, it's something that, that's in me, individually, that I can uh, attest to, and that's it's real to me. Not that it's, uh, not, that it's not, that be, not, not, not that I'm a relativist. Five, and science cannot prove science, because it has, you know, like I said, it would be like a circular argument, and, um, and there's a lot of uh, assumptions in science that, that cannot be proven, okay? Now, I'm not saying that I don't believe not that I'm saying I don't believe in the other mind, that there are other minds in my home, or that that, um, that that logical mathematical truths aren't true, but these are these are things that science cannot prove, but we all accept as truth. Okay. So, second is pantheism. You become one with God's energy and essence. Okay. So they would pretty much believe, you know, that the chairs you're sitting on are God's. That the, the, everything we can't see. Like the black matter, like the things holding atoms together, we got okay. And um, and the reason why I don't believe in pantheism is because when you give the um, I'm sorry, I don't think here for a second. Um, one of the things is is because we have a mind, okay. We have a mind, we're able to think. We're all individuals here. We're, we can think, we can react, we have emotion and stuff, and, um, and that's one thing that pantheism cannot prove, okay? Um, if, if we're just mere energy, and energy in the world, then, then after we die, then we just become one with that energy again, you know? And it, it, to me, it does not make sense. Um, the dog does not have a self. We all have selves, and we, it's not just instinct. Okay, so hin third, Hinduism and Buddhism, reincarnation. You are reborn into a new life. Now, um, you know, they believe that um, many things. You can reborn, be reborn into a tree, be reborn into grass, uh, 
um, air, uh, a dog, a cat. And the reason why I don't believe in it is because here, if I say, say I become a dog, let's use that example. A dog, a dog shouldn't have a mind, and as we as we know, a dog does not have a mind that can react um, as as itself as we can. You know, we are very individuals. We're we, we have a self, like I said, and we can we can react as such. We can react, have a free will. We're not controlled by instinct, although we do have some instinct. And a part of what Hinduism and Buddhism teaches is that um, what we become after we die, like a dog or a plant or a tree or something, is, is because of, of how we reacted in our, in our current life. That whatever we become is going to be like that punishment for, for what we did in our current life. So if we did something bad, we're going to you know, turn into something bad that, that's going to make us suffer. Um, but, um, but to me, it doesn't make sense because of um, because of the mind thing. Okay, we have a mind. We have uh, we we have free will. We're indiv individuals. Okay, so how is it that a dog? Um, the, how is it that becoming a dog is is? How is it that becoming a dog makes us? Um, I'm so sorry for this. My mind is on blank. You can't be a dog. Well, not necessarily you can't be a dog, um, which you know I, I believe that, but um, but in this in this uh, argument, becoming a dog, how does that make us better uh, better? You know, sort of like the idea of purgatory. Okay, you go to purgatory, and you, you're being purged of, of, your, of your sin that you committed. Okay, when, when you're becoming a dog, when you are a dog, how does that purge you of your sin if you can't react as, as you would react here on Earth? You can't make a decision that says, okay, now I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good as a dog. Dogs do not have, have a self. You know, it... it I believe dogs have um, some. Some dogs can be, or dogs can be individuals in the sense that um, that, that they can be trained. They they have they have um, the mind in the sense, not in the sense of uh, like humans, but just like we said, in that a the spirit can drive the dog, and it's that the innate sense that they have because of instinct that drives them. It's not a mind of a self, of, of a self, uh, an individual that can, that has moral ethics, that has ethics. Okay. I hope that hope that makes sense to you. I'm sorry that I kind of fumbled for you over here. And then the the fourth thing is soul sleep. There's a Christian cult called the Jehovah's Witnesses. They believe that after death we we do just that. We we sleep. We sleep until the, the judgment time, which we'll be getting into. And on that note, let's get into let's get into this, okay? So John Echols, like like uh, like Joe has uh, brought up before, a Nobel Prize winner for physiology. He studied the mind. He studied uh, neurology. Uh, he said, "I maintain that the mysteries in 
incredibly demeaned by scientific reductionism with its claim and commiserate materialism to account eventually for all of the spiritual world in terms of patterns of moral activity. This belief excuse me, must be classed as superstition. We have to recognize that we are spiritual beings with souls existing in a spiritual world as well as material beings and bodies and brains, with bodies and brains existing in the material world. So we see a, a Nobel Prize winning scientist commenting on the mind and commenting on, on the self as, as we, as human beings, have, have spirits and souls that drive us. Okay, if you, there's a reference for the book, Evolution of the Brain, Creation of the Self. Come uh, check it out when you can. Now let's, let's take a look at what the Bible says. Okay, this is probably the uh, easier part for me. Um, probably won't add, probably, probably won't fall far as much. But I um, hope you guys can find humor in that. I, I do, <laughs> even though it's uh, kind of embarrassing, but I can uh, take it. Okay, so Luke 9, 16, 19, and 24, if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. Okay, the Bible says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. 23. In hell, where he was in torments, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in, in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. So the Bible clearly states, clearly states that there is a hell and that, that there is torment. Okay. Now, one of the things that we, that we see here is um, is a rich man. You know, he he was in, he was in comfort during the time of his life, in his lifetime. Okay, he was he was rich. He he, he had things. He had he had luxury, like it says, luxury. He he he, he wasn't hungry. Okay, like the the beggar was. The beggar was was hungry. He was in agony because of hunger, and he had sores on him, probably leprosy. That the dogs came and, and lit. So, the, so we, so one, we have a man that lived in comfort, and two, we have a man that did not live in comfort. And in hell, where the rich man was, looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Now, obviously, here the, the rich man did sin in some way, did disobey God, and so he's in hell as opposed to the guy that that um. The beggar that wasn't okay let me continue on but abraham replied son remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while lazarus received bad things but now he's he is comforted here and you are in agony and besides all this between us and you a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us he answered then i beg you father Send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn, warn them, so that they will also not come to this place of torment. 29, Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone 
from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Hmm. And I, I believe that is true, because a lot, a, lot a lot of us don't want to don't want to believe that. A lot of us don't want to believe that, that, there, that there even is a hell. A lot of us, we, if we don't take God's word as, as it is, we don't believe in God's word as it is now, then what, what is it that what is it that a dead man can tell us? Rising from the dead. Obviously, it would be something extraordinary that we would <laughs> that we would definitely look at and see that it's, it's it's something important. But the truth, my friends, is that there is a hell. The Bible says it. Well, number one, when you die, your soul and spirit live on. Okay, Luke sixteen twenty two. Let's go there real quick. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So we see that the Bible clearly says, your soul and your spirit will live on. So when we die, it's not just, you know, we don't, you know, just nothing happens, or there's a soul sleep, or like the pantheists think that we become one with one in the energy and essence of the world, which they believe is God, or or solely, but Second Corinthians five eight, the New Living Translation says, "Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord." Thank you. So Paul, Paul even agrees. The Apostle Paul says, "We." Were, we are fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. So he's using, he's, he's, for the time being, as he's writing this, he's, he's doing all that he can, as, as we see in the Bible, that all that he can to reach out to people, uh, other churches that we see that he wrote uh, many books to, uh, and, and, he, and he talked about this. For then we will be at home with the Lord. We'd rather be away from the body. If, if Paul thought that, that there was, um, if there wasn't life after death, that there was soul sleep or or um, or just nothing happened, why would we be so fully confident? Two, you face judgment immediately, Hebrews 9 27. This is something that uh, that uh, that kind of uh, touches on and but as an argument against uh, some of the things you guys said today. You face judgment immediately. Hebrews 9.27, as man is destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. So, the Bible says that immediately after we die, immediately after the heart stops, we go straight to judgment. Now, this judgment is different than the, the other judgment that, that I'll be talking about. This judgment says, right after death, we go into the judgment, okay? And that judgment is straight to heaven or straight to hell. You know, if you don't have Jesus, obviously, that is hell. Okay, so it's so right after death, it goes straight to straight to judgment. Now, to give you guys some background um, on, on the Bible and where all this comes from, is this is the tabernacle, okay? And in, in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible talks about the, it, after Moses. Some of you guys know the story. After Moses took out the Israelites from Egypt, and they went to the desert. While they're in the desert, Moses was. Um, commanded to build a tabernacle, and it was to look like this. Okay, now if you look at the bottom right here, the altar 
of burnt offering, that was that was used for sacrifice. Okay, they would they would sacrifice a, a certain animal, a certain animal. They have to, you know, and if you guys know anything about sacrificing, it's it's pretty much it's, it's killing them completely, spilling out their blood. Okay, so they they would do that right here, right there at the altar of burnt offering, right on there, spill the blood, and then then set it on fire. Okay, as as an offering unto God. Then they would go to the brazen labor, which is right there, to clean themselves with water. Now the first one at the, the sacrifice resembles, you know, in, in the New Testament, Jesus being sacrificed for us, filling his blood. It's, it's not a pretty thing. It's never a pretty thing. It's never meant to be a pretty thing. And but you know then the, the brazen labor you get to clean yourself. That's symbolizing the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, cleansing us from our sin. Then after that, now, now this this part right here, all, all right here and around, is called the uh, the outer courts. Okay. Then after they sacrifice and they cleanse themselves on the brazen labor, they enter into the holy place, which is the, the first entrance right there. And they would go to the table of showbread, which had 12 pieces of bread representing the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel. Then they would they would uh, pass by the golden lampstand, which had the, the seven um, um, seven candles on it, which represents uh, represent the seven spirits of God, wisdom, uh, knowledge, and stuff like that. And then after that, they would go to the incense altar. It will be like a burning incense of, of worship and prayers to God. Mainly prayers and prayers that we go up to God, so you present, you know, the incense and the type of prayer, say your prayer, whatnot. Then after that, they go into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. If you guys are familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, it had some like Aaron's blood in it and some other things, and it was considered, it was considered like God's presence. Okay, everywhere it went, there were good effects and bad effects depending on how it got there. Uh, there's a story in the Bible where. Where someone took the, the ark would come to someone's house and then or in a certain town and it, it did not bless bless that, that that place, but it brought it brought destruction to that place. Uh, but when it was in its rightful place and in the temple, it brought prosperity and, and other stuff to the land. Now, in and the, the second place is the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is. Now, the Ark of the Covenant had like the angels on it, and it was considered to be, the, in other words, a mercy seat. And so the high priest, after he sacrificed and stuff, because once a year the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies to, to sacrifice, particularly in the Holy of Holies for the for the people. So the high priest would go in there, wear bells on the end of his uh, end of his uh, uh, rope or whatnot, and uh, and people would know if if even the high priest had sinned. If the high priest had sinned, um, you wouldn't hear the bells move anymore. But if he if he he was uh, sinless, you know. He would still hear the bells moving around and 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 spilling the blood on the, on the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant. That's what he had to do. So, so when we when we see this, when if we could get the picture of this, if you learn something from this, it is it is looking at uh, the, the the judgment and the whole plan of salvation that God gives. We just can't do our God just couldn't do nothing. He just let things happen, go on as they were. There needed to be a sacrifice. The Bible says that there, without without the remission of, of without the uh, without the shedding of blood, 
there's no remission of sins. There needs to be a sacrifice because of that, the, how God did it in the past. It needs to be a sacrifice. And as you guys know, that sacrifice is Jesus Christ. Okay, the third point. You will either go to heaven or hell. You know, like I said, like Hebrew says in Acts 27, right after that, right after death is judgment. It's either heaven or hell. There's no soul sleep, nothing happens. Uh, I mean, it's not like nothing happens. You go to heaven or hell, Luke 16, 22. Let me read it. Uh, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So if you guys can really, really grasp this, is that the Bible said that there is a hell. You know, Jesus, he's not, Jesus is, uh, Jesus speaking here. Why would Jesus say this, okay? Why didn't he just say, you know, there wasn't a hell, or that he was kidding about it or something? Why, 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 why did he say this about something else? So we clearly see that the Bible says, that there is a hell, that there is life after death, and it's either heaven or hell, and we see that judgment to either one. Luke 23, 42-43 says, Then Jesus said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is uh, the man on the cross next to Jesus, the thief on the cross. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And then, this is obviously, it's before Jesus sacrificed, so that was going to be into Abraham's bosom. Now, excuse me. Now, after, um, now this is this is before Jesus died. So in the Old Testament, Abraham's bosom was that that place where we saw with, with Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus was by Abraham's side. That is Abraham's bosom. Bosom is you know something like your chest calling to someone next to you. Um, so, but we know that after Jesus died. Uh, he goes into, you know, Jesus, all, all the sins of the world was put on, were put on Jesus. And so he goes into, into hell after he dies. And he overcomes hell, goes in Abraham's bosom and says, let's go up, you know, to the, the, the real heaven. Uh, this picture is uh, it's pretty, pretty graphic. I hope you guys can handle it. Um, it illustrates a lot of what hell is like. Matthew 13, 42. They will throw them into the fiery furnace and where, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible describes hell as you're going to burn. You know, there's a story that I heard of a, of a guy seeing, seeing this, this fuel tanker uh, spill over and, and, and crush someone. The person didn't die right away. But all, all the fuel came out, light on fire, this guy was burning to death. Another guy said his screams were so loud, and then you know, it hurt so much that he was gnashing his teeth to the point where his teeth came out. Imagine this. This is not the place, guys, where any of us would like to go, or even wish someone else would go. But there's good news. <laughs> but there's good news. Uh, I believe you guys have the, you have the illustration of hell down. Um, I wish it could be more, more, I guess, graphic in my words to describe it. I believe even the thought of it, because even by the thought of, of there being a 
place of, of torment, like how, like how my brother Rudy feels. You know, a lot of times, I remember I thought, man, like, I don't want there to be a hell. So I have a lot of family that's going to go there if they don't accept you. A lot of family, a lot of friends. I don't want there to be a hell, but I know that there needs to be a hell. There needs to be a hell. God, like, like you guys said, all you guys said it in the, not all you guys, but some of you guys said it in the discussion, that God is a just God. There needs to be a punishment for our sin. And um, you guys also said that that there um, that God God doesn't make us go into His presence. If we want, if we don't want to be with God, then we don't have to go there. Now, there's also you know God's not going to make us go. Well, God's not going to make us go to heaven. But there's also the time where people want to go, but they, they have sin in their lives and they can't go because God's not going to accept that, that sin. There needs to be. There needs to be that acceptance of Jesus, that, that, that accepting of his sacrifice for that gifts of eternal life. Let's go to, uh, to Revelation 4. Give you guys a description of, of heaven. chapter 4. Okay, the, the Apostle John wrote this on the, the island of uh, Patmos as he was in exile. And he was given a vision of, uh, of heaven. Follow along with me. As this, or after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had, had, to appear, had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 elders, or 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. They're, these are the seven spirits of God. I don't know, I don't know about you, but that, that just sounds awesome. This it sounds, sounds more awesome than the description of hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And from the, the description of, that, that John gave of God, it, it just illustrates to me that God is, is awesome. Rolls of thunder. Flashes of lightning. Man, God is awesome. Verse 6. Also before the throne, there was what looked like sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes, in front and in back. The first living, cre first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around and under his wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay the crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now the fourth thing is, you will face the great white throne, Revelation 20, 11. So this, this is the, the second judgment, as I, as I said earlier. The first judgment is, you judge what, you know, after death, you go straight to judgment, either to heaven or hell. The second judgment, this is, this is after, um, this is after uh, the, the end times. You know, when we talk about the end times, uh, the, the Antichrist is going to rise and try to take over the nations. Um, and there's going to be a time of, uh, of, of persecution of the people that got left behind. And we believe that there's going to be a rapture of the body of Christ. And that those left behind, uh, if they do become Christian, they're going to get persecuted by this Antichrist, face death, beheadings, and stuff like that. Now, but there's going to be a time after that we're going to face the great white throne. God is going to raise up the dead. Um, even the, the Antichrist, the devil, we're all going to be before God for that judgment. Okay, let's, let's hear what it says. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So we see what we're going to be before God. The great right throne, he's going to judge us according to what we have done as recorded in the books. Everything we do, guys, is recorded by God, the good and the bad. And it's not like we can do more good in order to outweigh the bad and then, then be saved. But after this, the, the, the second death, which we believe is, it's not going to be hell anymore, because Hades, Hades, which is hell, is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Five, you will spend eternity either in the lake of fire or upon a new earth, you know, like Vanessa said, God is eternal, therefore our consequences are eternal. What we do now in the temporal, in our temporal world, matters in eternity. Since God is eternal, our, the consequences of our sin is eternal, therefore the punishment is eternal. Revelation 20:14, the death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Revelation 21, 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had, had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, 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 let me tell you guys. Okay, the thought that, that came to my head was, you know, that after... You know, I'm already married, you know. I'm, I'm already married, but, but at this time, 
I'm gonna get married again this time to a man. Man, Jesus Christ, come on. Oh, um, and I heard a loud voice, verse three. I, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away." Now this is this is a, a beautiful description in my eyes because you know when I think of God. Um, I think, I think of it's exactly what the Bible says: you know, a merciful God, a God who's going to wipe away our tears. And what that means is, heaven cannot be heaven if we're if we're mourning and weeping and crying over people. Because at this time, guys, at, at this time, um, we've already seen by this time, by the time this happens, by by the time we get into the New Jerusalem, if if God doesn't wipe the tears from our eyes, we'll be weeping over the people that we saw go into hell. Going to the lake of fire. We're going to see all of our loved ones, our family, our friends, people that we care about, going into the lake of fire. And so heaven will not be heaven unless God wipes away our tears. And that's not to say that God doesn't care about those people or never did, but that those people did not come to see Jesus. And so the, the importance, the, the important thing is that we do all that we can here while we have time. You know, tomorrow's not promised. The Bible says that, that, that tomorrow's not promised. And the Bible also says that, that life is like a vapor. You know, we're here one second, the next, next, you know, we, we can die. Like the illustration of the guy you know, catching on fire, did he know he was going to die that day? You know, um, on Friday I saw, I saw a guy laying on the floor, on the ground, um, outside this building. We were passing by there to do groceries. Passed by in the car, saw this guy, the ground bleeding from the head. Did he know he was going to get hit with a, with a, with a big object, crushing in his skull, bleeding profusely from the head? I'm telling you, it changed my life. It, 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 it gave me the, the sense even more of how, how, um, how temporal and how fragile this life is. We can be gone. Right? We can walk out of here and, and not live so I encourage you guys, I encourage you guys to, to look towards Jesus. Okay, so I pose the question again, where can we go when we die? I think it's, it's, it's clear what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there is a heaven and hell. That right after, right after we die, uh, we're going to face judgment. And that judgment is either to heaven or hell. It's, it's a serious thing. This, this life is temporal. And, uh, and I just encourage you guys to leave come to the guitar. Now, touching on the, the mercy seat again. Russ is about to sing a song that, that it's, it's, um, it's very, very touching. Because it, it gives the illustration of that there's mercy. There's mercy. As long as we can, as long as we accept that mercy, we need to accept it. Now, Mercy is here for us, for you, today. The song is called Mercy Seat. It says, I'm running to the Mercy Seat. I encourage you guys to, to run to Jesus. Jesus, like I said at the beginning, Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name given to man, no other name under heaven given to man by which we are saved. There's only through the name of Jesus. I encourage you guys that 
If you don't know it, even if you don't believe this, come to Jesus. He will confirm it in your heart. Jesus sacrificed himself for you guys. And it's, it's a free gift. It's the gift of eternal life. I'll just, uh, just go ahead and sing it. Father God, we just thank you for this time. Lord God, let your just presence be here, Lord God. Lord God, praise. Sacrifice is there, Lord God. Your sacrifice is there for us to accept, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that people will accept it, Lord. No one left. Go ahead and sing.
just gonna close out in prayer for, for those of those of you who have to leave. Father God, I pray. Pray, Lord God, you bless those who have to go, Lord Jesus. Lord God, and bless them on the way, protect them, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that they'll go with you through this week, Lord. Lord God, that they'll think about you during this week, Lord. Read the word, Lord Jesus. Pray, Lord God, and give us a Christian fellowship. And I pray. Pray in Jesus, Lord God, you just bless us all, Lord God. Show yourself to us. Make yourself real to us in the name of Jesus, Lord. Be glorified. Refreshments. So uh, if you need to be refreshed, <laughs> go and get some. <laughs> and just hang out and chat.